Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Hi. Yo, doggy dog. What's going on out there in TV land? Wouldn't it be cool if we had, like, uh, a television show? Mm, yeah, we should do a video podcast. No, I want it to be animated, though. Us animated? No, I just want animation to be with, happening. With lots of 80s rock and roll in the background? No, I want it to be kind of like Uncle Remus, where we're, we're just <laughs> doing our show, and these, like, birds come flying around, and they land on our shoulders, and... You know, it, Mr. Squirrel comes around. Well, and then uh, George Lucas can get the uh, the video and then add stuff later. That's true. Well, we could do that. It would be the analog to that. You know, we would be upset about the way that it was perceived, and then we'd redo it and, and revise history. But, and then we would say that the original is never going to be available again, and then we could then release it and sell the original and make lots of money to the people who already bought the original now it's all too confusing no but then the we had to do the is box all... set with the original and the, the revised right. edition after the people bought the revised edition when they were told that you couldn't get the original anymore mm-hmm. but then they released the original saying you could only buy it now then the box set so then you get people buying all three I'm holding up three here held up three that? fingers to the microphone that's why we need video because all it looked like to me was a, a middle finger there was a, an episode of uh, WKRP in Cincinnati years ago where a guy brought some charts and he was holding him up, and Johnny Fever said, no, we're on radio, it's the microphone. So he did this, he then, you know, he held the chart up to the microphone like that was going to help. Oh, well, hey, you know what, I'm going to make an announcement here. Oh. I didn't tell you about this announcement. Okay, what's the announcement? It's a surprise. I'm thanking Rich on air. Thank you, Rich. Rich got me the hookup. <laughs> That's right, and uh, he's got tracks all over his arm. It's just kind of right. ridiculous. It's Listen, shh, don't tell him about that, all right? He's now going to be known as Rich Dimebag Wilgus. <laughs> well, thanks so much. No, he he, uh, he hooked me up with the bass. The bass is here. It's present. Um, I'm looking right at it. Um, yeah, it's it's over there. It, it's a pretty little beast. I like it's it. It's a cool bass. It's a Squire, which is kind of a Fender. It's a Fender Squire 70s. Jazz bass. Vintage modified. My vintage modified. And yeah. uh, if you were to go to one of the online vendors, you would find them for, I don't know, around $300. And we did a little bit better than that for John. Yeah, it's cool. It looks like the kind of bass you'd see, uh, like, one of the, the members of Dr. Teeth in the Electric Mayhem playing. <laughs> I love Dr. Teeth. <laughs> yeah, but it's cool. I'm I'm really psyched about it, and I can't wait to start learning something. But, you know... As Rich is wont to do, he giveth and he taketh away. It's going to be leaving me today. <laughs> That's right. It's it's here on visitation only because since the base did travel many miles to get here, it needs to be set up terribly. Wait a minute. You no, mean it'll be... you're going to set it up terribly just no, for me? It'll be set up brilliantly, except it is terribly in need of a setup. It'll be set up by the world's greatest guitar technician, Tope, and great cyclist, and just crotchety old bastard really (laughs) he's an awesome dude and yeah the intonation's way out on it and the neck is way out and it might need some fret work but any new instrument does and unless it's a like a 2000 you know custom something or other and then hopefully it comes from the factory pretty close but with an escort that's right (laughs) 
You know, I've been telling a lot of people about the uh, the base saga because John's been pretty excited about it, as have I. And I've been uh, vibrating. I've been he's so excited. he's been vibrant, and I have the same question that a lot of the people at work have, and that is, quite frankly, and this is a serious question: Why'd you wait so long? I, and again, as I pointed out on last week's show, which apparently wasn't as serious as this one will be. Uh, sorry, Chris. I, I mentioned that I remember you hanging out with me like 20 years ago, looking at guitar player magazines and like seeing the bass guitar ads and going, ooh, I wonder what one of those costs. So what? why did it take 20 years? Seriously. Because I, as you know, I've got probably a million and one other interests. You do, but you know, this <clears throat> one's always been there. I, I know it has, and I you, just sort of realized it. <laughs> That's your answer? <laughs> I've got no answer. It's just so many other things came in, in, in the way, like, you know, marriage, kids, yeah, but all that stuff. I remember you ogling and fondling my magazines, you know, way before you met you know, the she who is your wife. And um, Well, you know what? It, back then, I didn't have the financial means. Well, I couldn't have just blown three, four, five hundred bucks on anything. And the other the, thing is... I don't know. I, there's a green thing in the back you could have sold. Well, you know what? Like I said, I've got a lot of other interests. And, <laughs> and I always was prioritizing. And then now I'm, I'm sort of in that settling down saying, you know, I really want to do something just to, you know, please myself. <laughs> I think it's a great thing. And everybody that I've told about this, like the guys at work that play bass, you know, I kind of told them, hey, a friend of mine's going to start playing bass and all that. I think it's cool, you know, and it, it sort of is, as I mentioned, it'll sort of perhaps maybe kind of make me want to pick up my instruments again, since maybe, you know, we can teach John some Beatles tunes and jam or something. You keep bringing up the Beatles tunes. Is it because they're just really easy to learn? Or is no, it, but cause I'm not, I'm not sure if I want to jam to Beatles. Tunes. But when we gig, you know, everybody likes Beatles tunes. <laughs> well, you know, we have to learn some Simply Red, too. <laughs> and... um I might have to buy an amp. I, I have an amp, and I might sell it and buy something different that's a little more versatile. But when I talked to one of my music store friends Friday from work, I said, dude, man, you want to buy my Roland JC77? He goes, well, I already got one, but why do you want to sell it? I said, well, you know, I'm looking to buy the so-and-so. It's a little more versatile. He goes, what? They don't make the JC77 anymore. You want to keep that? Oh, all right. So now I got to keep the Roland. because so now you have to start collecting amps. So, yeah, now I'm going to – well, I can get such a smoking deal on the imp I want anyway. It doesn't matter. Well, but the, the <laughs> truth is you're going to have to wait a while for me to learn something before I can actually play with you. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I have a friend named Chris Farley, not the dead Chris Farley, and he did like this house party, never played a bass guitar before, and was able to learn a bunch of Van Halen tunes and stuff like that. Those aren't the most challenging bass No, lines. they're not, but having never picked up a bass, he was able to jam with these guys and play like 10 tunes that he learned. You know, they were just like, bomb, 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 bomb. <laughs> you know, and sometimes- That sounds like UK. <laughs> no, that was the beginning of Running with the Devil. Oh. <laughs> Which is very much like UK, you know. And uh, actually, if we sound different today, it's because our main compressor, our Yuri LA-22, died, right? So I took it to a local tech to fix. And he's like, you know, I, I just can't isolate it. I can't find it. And I said, well, you know, those intermittent problems, you know, can be a problem, you know, when they're not act, you know, when the problem isn't active. When they're intermittent. Yeah, when it's not rearing its ugly head, it's hard to nail down where that problem is. And he goes, oh no, it's humming right now. I just can't find it. He spent a day and a half looking for the hum, couldn't find it, didn't charge me a dime. And I feel bad because that's a lot of bench time, you know. And I was, was it a dynamo hum? <laughs> it was. So the good compressor, the Yuri, which uh, is currently broken, is going to take a little vacation to Manhattan to a recording uh it's a place called ears which does only 
repairs of recording equipment. That's their specialty. So It's Ears. Ears, New York City. How you doing? Forget about it. And they think uh, they can fix it, and they're good friends of mine, and hopefully they're going to take care of me on price because he threatened to buy a plasma if I gave him my credit card <laughs> number, so I don't know. Are they friends of mine or friends of ours? <laughs> I forgot what the difference was. <laughs> Friend of mine means that it's it's an acquaintance. It's just a guy that I know. Friends of ours means it's a friend he, of the family. He's a made man. He, yeah, they're they're friends of ours. Okay. Well, with that being said, let's get into some uh, music. Music, what? music, like yeah. tunes. Yeah, we've got we've got some good tunes. You should oh. announce this one. Um, I'll talk about it after. Okay, you want to play it? All right. Thank you ahead of time. a moment to remember I hope that inside you there is still a part of me and it fills you up with joy These are my nows and your yesterdays Here are the days of your days past I can't say I know you like you have no
And there you have it. That slammed. That is a band called Echolin. It's off of a record called As the World, and that song was called Best Regards. I discovered these guys. I mean, not actually. I'm not like a record. You signed them. I'm not like an A&R guy. But I walked into like the coolest CD store in the world back in like 19, mid-90s. And the, the, it was right here in Syracuse. It was called Mainly Disc. It was right by Liquor Square, Tom Sinaneri. That's right. It was around the corner there, I think. Yeah, it was awesome. And I walked in there and I heard like these weird Gentle Giant influences in some of the songs. And I went, what the heck is this? I mean, literally, I I was like, wow. I was like, holy cow. And I holy walked cats. up. And there was a dude named Chris, one of the owners of the store. And I said, what the heck is that? He goes, it's this new band called Echolin. And they're like totally prog rock. And I was like, what the heck is a real prog rock band like coming around in the 90s? I mean, prog rock is kind of a a bastion of the 70s, really. And these guys are the real deal, in my opinion, the best band I've heard in, in, you know, them and the Dixie Drags are like the best guys I've heard in terms of technique and, and composition in the past 20 years. And just blew me away, and I finally got off my lazy ass and asked them if I could play their stuff, to which they said yes. Well, apparently they said yes, because either that or we're in trouble. Yeah, and again, not pod safe, but I'm sure if you ask them, they'll let you play their stuff. And I have an, an entire other CD full of things. And if you type Echolin, and it's just E-C-H-O-L-Y-N, into YouTube, you'll find a couple of live videos of a couple of their songs. You can kind of get a feel for what they're doing. And they're the bomb. And they're in Pennsylvania, so there's they're no reason. Knees. We should go see them sometime because they must play somewhere within driving distance. They're from PA, you know. Yeah, and you know it's prog rock because didn't you detect the faint odor of seven eight in there somewhere? Um, I don't know what time signature that was, but it there was, was a, an odd time signature. There yeah. was a break where there was some seven eight happening. Well, I love the odd time signatures, and I don't mean three four because that's a waltz, and you can hear three four anywhere. Three four, three couple four, three four five six. So, um, movies. You saw a film that I've been waiting for you to see for a long time. That's right. We talked about this. Actually, when we were still doing the remote shows via Skeep, I think I had threatened to see this show, and I uh, show this, this film, and I finally saw it. You going to tell him? It's the Scorsese film. Marty McScazy. That's right. <laughs> he's, he's gone. He's gone Irish. He's gone us. Irish by way of uh, Hong Kong, I think, even. That could be. That could be. A film called The Departed. Yeah, it's uh, it, it won an Oscar or three, and um, I, I thought it was just a great movie. Uh, not necessarily his best film, perhaps not even deserving of an Oscar. He deserved the Oscar, well, absolutely long ago, but maybe not for this. Film. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, on the whole, my quick summation of it would be a really cool story with the whole one cop being a shill for the mob and one being a shill for the uh, the good guys and. You know, I've never seen a police story told quite like that, so I thought it was a really well-crafted cop movie, but at the end of the day, it was kind of layer cake meets goodwill hunting, you know? It was <laughs> it was kind of that for me, you know? Well, this was just filled with all sorts of characters, and, and the goodwill hunting part was, was not the Ben Affleck. No, it was the, <laughs> it was the Johnny South, Damon. South Boston feel of it, too, you know? Yeah, Ma- Matt Southies. Damon. Um, yeah, and it was all placed in Boston, and it was great because when... When uh, Matt Damon's going into his office in Government Center there, I've been there so many times when I was at BU. I would go down to there. It's near Quincy Market. Yeah, I've been there. It's it's just neat to see these places uh, as a character in the film as well. You know, we've talked about this before where, where the, the setting, the location becomes a character. And mm-hmm. Boston is certainly a character in this film. Well, Boston's a great town. Boston's a real rock and roll town. <laughs> what? Right. We're not playing in Boston? It's all right. It's not a big college town. <laughs> That's Spinal Tap, by the way. It's a different film. 
Yeah, but now but, Philadelphia, Philly. There's a good rock and roll town. The, the characters in this film. I mean, we can. Oh, I'm all, being silly. You're being silly. We're not allowed to do that. We must uh, hunker down. <laughs> oh wait, I got a hunker here. I got <clears throat> We must batten the hatches. <clears throat> oh, I'm hatch battening. Believe me. <laughs> How do you batten a hatch? I've wondered that myself, and uh, perhaps if we watch some nautical films, we'll <laughs> we'll get to see that. Hoist the mainsail. <laughs> Anyways, the characters characters in this film are just phenomenal. I thought. I mean, you can you well, can agree or disagree. Uh, yeah, but and you brought this up before as we were talking, and and I was going to break it out, but you you sort of stole my thunder before we had thunder. It was <laughs> I'm like Ben Franklin over here. You know, I'm stealing thunder. What, what's that about? Now the thing is, we're on Mike here, and I can't even remember his character's name. Which one? He was the the punk. What do you mean the punk? The Marky Mark character, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, well, he was Detective Sergeant Bingham or something like Bingham that. Bingham or... Binham, Binman or... For me... Zingham. The strong... no. Well, it was like a... An, uh, yeah, the end came He was an Irish guy, I think. He was an Irish guy who swore a lot. And for me, the most interesting character in the film. I, I loved his character. And well, actually was not even there for the whole film. Made a brief appearance at the end. But a uh, phenomenal character, Mark Wahlberg. I think he's a major talent. Actually, all four of those guys are really good. I'm, you know, I'm not as big on the... I know you're a big uh, Leo DiCaprio fan, but... You well, know. I thought he did a, a, a really decent job in this I, film. Oh, I thought his performance was great. I mean, we have four of our best actors in this film. We have uh, DiCaprio. We have um, Nicholson. We have Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. And Sheen. who's that other guy? Sheen, Damon. Um, Alec Baldwin. Baldwin. Uh, you know, De Niro. I, oh, wait, no. Adolf <laughs> Manju made it in there somewhere. And, De Niro's uh, not in this film because DiCaprio is. They can't yeah, appear in the same film. Yeah, what's going on with that? De Niro must be feeling a little rejected, a little... His self-esteem must be a little down now, now that he's not Marty McScorsese's main guy, you know? He was passed over. <laughs> he's been ignored. You are obsolete. That's right. He's not Italian enough. DiCaprio came in. That's right. Um, you know what I really found interesting about this? And not terribly interesting, but yet interesting, was that Nicholson's character, Mr. Costello, was uh, obviously a sociopath, but not, you know, I don't know if this was Scorsese's direction or maybe the way Nicholson wanted to go with it, but not the over-the-top Nicholson sociopath that we normally see. This was a very subdued Nicholson sociopath, which I think is what... <laughs> subdued? <laughs> well, do you know what I mean? He wasn't yes, like I the do. Joker. He wasn't the Joker. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't that, here's Johnny kind of guy that we've seen in at least two or three films he had a couple of moments though he had a couple of moments but he's a sociopath they're gonna have their moments but what i just love the fact that it was underplayed because i'm a little tired of the nicholson over the top sociopath thing so you know whoever tamed this character down whatever whosoever choice that was i thought it was a great choice it must have been the editor because (laughs) i i think that from what i've read about scorsese's uh style is that there's probably four or five hours of nicholson on the cutting room floor and he probably picked just the the most perfect scenes, the most perfect phrases to to not make him just break out of the film. They wanted to keep everyone in that moment where there was always this tension. And if if he went off on his rants and became a cartoon or a caricature of himself, I don't think it would have worked. But I think it would have ruined the film because I think there wasn't a star of this film. I think there were four important characters and they were the Nicholson, DiCaprio, Marky Mark and um, Matt uh, Damon. Damon, Matt Damon characters. I think they all equally played an important Sheen, role. So there's five. Well, yeah, he's all right. He he was fine. He was in the background, as was um, 
uh, never mind. Anyway, Sheen was a, a little bit in the background and on the ground, actually, in, in, in some ways. But um, Edit that out. I think it was important for there not to be a star of this film because there were so many strong characters written in the script that, I, you know, thankfully Nicholson didn't come out and play it over the top. Right. And this is the first film I've ever seen, by the way, where that Nicholson was in where he didn't get top billing. DiCaprio got top billing. How weird is that? And maybe it was alphabetical, you know. D comes before N, I don't know. But usually, I would imagine it's often in his contract, you know, I get top billing. Well, you know, he's getting on in years, and you well, know, they well, probably slipped him the best. wrong contract. <laughs> they did, a Mickey. They <laughs> slipped him a Mickey contract. Right. Well, you know what, this film, if we're going to talk a little bit about the, the actual themes in this film, it's it's doing a lot of blurring of the lines. They got software that can fix that, actually. Blurring of the lines, you mean? Yeah. They can yeah. sharpen it. They can put it in Photoshop. And they can sharpen it up so you can, you know, see the license plate at a distance, that yeah. kind of thing. It, this isn't the first film by any stretch that that, uh, that does this, but it makes the good guy the bad guy, the bad guy the good guy. You don't know who's good. You don't know who's bad. Well, when I said Goodwill Hunting meets Layer Cake, that's, that's right. kind of where I was going with that. Yeah, but to me, it, the way I saw this whole thing is that everyone eventually became corrupted in some way, but I think there's only one character in this film that never got corrupted. And that was Marky Mark. Mark Wahlberg. And that's yeah. why I sort of liked him as the best character. You kind of wanted to hate him in the beginning, but you, his moral center, his moral compass never wavered. He was kind of uh, a pro, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A company man, you know? That's right. And he believed in truth and justice. His way of getting there may have been a little skewed, and it may have, even at the end, a little bit, there was a little skewing of his truth and justice. But, um, I mean, he was right in, mm-hmm. in the sense of the decision he made and why he made it. The decision itself may have been a bad choice, but, you know. Well, and I think that's, to me, the biggest And we're not going to tell you what decision. The biggest tragedy of the film is the decision he makes at the end, because I think that in some ways does corrupt him. It corrupts the character. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you sort of feel bad that the situation turned him to that. But, you know, he's doing it for the best reasons. That's right. Good intentions. Yeah. It's well, a, you know, he had it coming. <laughs> We're not going to say any more. Did you notice that rat? I think that was the only thing I didn't the like. The rat on the counter, the the, the railing at yeah, the end. I didn't yeah. like that. That was probably the worst part of the movie for that me. That didn't work for me. I saw it and I went, okay, beat us over the head with yeah, it. Why don't you? You know? That was like, haven't you been paying attention for the entire film? Why'd you have to put that in there? Yeah. We know the guy's a rat. Hello. You that, know? That's like when the, you know you watch a French film and they always put Finn at the end. Why are they talking about fish? I, I don't know. Johnny Fish in the fins. <laughs> to me, it, it just seems like it ruins it. You know, it takes me out of the film when they have this big fin flapping across Well, you know, it, it raised the question for me. The whole Matt Damon character, and, and I guess I'll just say it, he's a rat. I mean, that's what we're kind of alluding to. Well, yeah, I think if anyone's been awake in the past couple of years, they know a little bit about the film. But my question is this. The Matt Damon character is a cop, and he becomes eventually a plainclothes detective. And, you know, he's working for one of the bad guys. But the question is, did he enter the force with the intention of always being a snitch on the bad guy's payroll? For me, that's an interesting question that we don't know the answer to. But it's one that I would be curious to know more about the background of the character. Because the Matt Damon character basically in one moment goes from child to adult in one moment in the scene. So there's that whole period of like 12, 15 Mm -hmm. years that we don't know about the character and what happened. But I'd be curious to know more about what happened to that character in those intervening 12 or 15 years. You know what I mean? Well, and I think that's why I'm so enamored with this film is because every single one of these characters, you can tell at some point they're still straddling some line. I mean, 
Matt Damon's character, he he starts to to want some of the things that a straight guy would want. You know, he's he's looking for that relation. Like football? What do you mean? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Paisley. <laughs> Pay, well, Paisley's good. In no, but, fact, Fender <clears throat> makes a, a Paisley Telecaster that would knock your socks off. It's the coolest accent I've ever like seen. I don't like Telecaster. I don't either, but I love the Paisley. I'm going to say it right now. I think I'm going to get a Paisley stencil and spray paint this thing with like automotive paint. John's bass is really cool. I can't wait till it comes back from uh, the guitar technician. Well, the thing is, before I actually saw it in person, and we're going way off on a tangent here, before I saw it in person, I was thinking, you know, if I ever get tired of the whole natural wood grain thing, I might think about painting it because, you know, I've been known to do something like that. I'm John, seeing it in person. I'm like, I'm not touching this thing. I like the way it looks. Okay, back to the film. Yeah, so anyways, all of these characters are straddling some line. The Matt Damon character, he he starts to want some of the things that a, a, a straight cop would want. That's a zipper. <laughs> and not the one you're imagining. No, it's the zipper for the bag. Kirsten. So, you know, he's starting this relationship with, with a woman, and they're, they're planning on getting married. And then you see him get pulled back into this world where where Jack Nicholson calls him. It's like he's got him on a beeper, always calling him. In, literally, yeah. Yeah, so and, there's a tension there where he wants the things of a straight cop, but he keeps getting pulled back into this corrupt And speaking world. of tension, and just to prove John has a base, that's actual and it, bass guitar. And it's a four-string bass. Yeah, anyway. One so of these I days just, I'll graduate to five. And the zipper was the, uh, the zipper of the case. It, was, it wasn't John being the dirty old man, <laughs> or me. No, because as we all know, I don't wear pants when you do the show. Um, and then on the other side, the DiCaprio character in this world of the corrupt, you see him starting to become actually corrupt and do some things that a corrupt person would do, but he keeps getting pulled back into the straight world, so to speak. That's right. He wears like earth tones and no, <laughs> Birkenstocks, you know, and no uh, pastels. And and you even see Jack Nicholson's character. The most corrupt person in this film. You <laughs> a even bit. you even see him sort of bring on some some moral judgment when he meets up with some priests, and that's all I'm going to say about that. So you see a lot of people who are torn between these two worlds. No one is actually pure. I mean, and so it, to me, that's why I'm 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 really taken by the film well, because it the, shows the people, Sheen it, character might might have been, but we don't know. You don't know his background, right? Yeah. And, and in fact, a lot of the stuff is in question. You still don't even know if he's somehow tangled in this mess that's right yeah i mean there were so many plots and subplots going on not unlike layer cake that there's a lot of unresolved questions for me one of the biggest questions was what gift did nicholson give damon at his graduation in that box we never yeah, knew. you never know i want to know what that gift was, was it like a rolex what was it yeah and you also don't know what's in the envelope at the end you don't know what's in the envelope that, that DiCaprio gives to... that she mails to. It's probably a message to the Marky Wahlberg character. You, you know? don't know. We you don't n- don't you know. Never know. There's a lot of. Again, another reason why I love this film, and and I I don't use love loosely here. I, I love this film because I keep thinking about it, and I keep thinking about more questions, and it keeps drawing me back in. Yeah, I I sort of agree with uh, my friend Ken's assessment. We talked about this yesterday. Just a really well told cop story because I've never really seen a cop story told where you've got both sides of the thing. You've got the cops with a plant in the bad guy's gang, and then the same gang has a snitch in the force working for them. I've never seen a story told like that, so good job. Kudos. Yeah, and someone even brought up um, to me about, remember the the one guy who was killed, and then at the end they had, or near the end, they had the 
the news report where they were saying that he was a police officer. Right, yeah. Someone so, brought up to me thinking, well, you know what? There, it could have actually been a police officer, but you don't know. Well, I think it was because he announced the wrong address. Right. And yet he didn't tell on him. So, and right. And yeah, I, I suspect he was a, a plant. Yes. So there were actually two plants in each organization, as we later learned. Yeah. And then there was another layer where Nicholson was actually- <laughs> Not unlike Layer Cake. <laughs> Good so, film. Yeah. Check it out. Loved it. Yeah, and, and in fact, I loved it so much. I don't know if I said this before on another show, but I watched it twice on the same night. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I was cool with the once. I think I I got it, you know, when I saw it. But, you know, really, four of our best actors and then some ancillary guys, you know, Sheen and uh, Baldwin. And there was a, a scene in the film, I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about, where I actually just went, ah! Um, I'm not sure I, I know what scene. Very near the end. I went, ah! Uh, what did it, uh... Involved in an elevator. Well, okay, I remember the elevator scene, but, you know, coming down the building. Just the surprise of it? Yeah. Well, not unlike at the end of Layer Cake. I mean, there was a big surprise at the end of Layer Cake, just like that one, you know? Yeah. All right, so that's all we have to say about that film. Yeah. Great um, film. Check it out. Not necessarily Scorsese's best, but long overdue an Oscar. And, uh, I mean, he's certainly one of the most brilliant directors in the world. and Ever. I, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I kind of hope he goes in the Kundun direction a little bit more, you know, and gets away from the mob kind of stuff. I mean, you know, those if it ain't story- broke. Yeah, I know, but at the same time, it's a little done, you know? I mean, especially with The Sopranos and The Godfather and Goodfellas. Oh, oh you know, Vegas. Okay, uncle, we get it, you know? Yeah, but we all love the, the, the mob thing. I, violent shows and violent movies tend to bum me out you know so i mean i can do without them you know well but there's violence and then there's there's violence in the mob <laughs> well can't argue mob. with that i mean that's... <laughs> and necessarily just because it's a mob thing doesn't necessarily mean it's violent there, there I, okay are, there are Give moments of a, violence example of a mob film with no violence please i, I didn't say no violence <laughs> i'm just saying that it's it's not overwhelming i'm violence. not saying i'm just saying why are you dogging me man <laughs> Bang! <laughs> that's a shout out. It's a shout out to Big Dave. Yo, Big baby. Actually, you know what? That's that's my nickname for him. Have, have you heard this story? No. And we're going way off on several tangents here. Rich will oh. probably edit this out. No, I like tangents. I'm going to edit out the whole bass thing. But Yeah. <laughs> my nickname for him a long time ago, I just on a whim, I said, yo, Biggie D. <laughs> and I sent him something so... Ever since then, he started calling me Little J. Well, just so you guys have some background, there is a guy who used to work at John's workplace that now works at my workplace, which was really weird. And then he, a couple of weeks ago, he was announcing where he used to work. And I said, oh, do you know John Tellerico? Dang, yeah. You know, so anyway. The word dog re- got thrown around. Dog, somewhere. yeah. He's a real trippy guy. I really like him. His nickname at John's place, one of his nicknames apparently, was Old Dude. <laughs> it's, it was accurate. So now he gets called Old Dude at our place. He's a real cool guy, you know? We're going to play some audio samples from him in the future whenever I can find a quiet enough room to record him in. Yeah, he'll he'll be our, uh, I don't know, Don Pardo. He'll be our Don Corleone. Oh, wait a minute. That's a different thing entirely. You can act like a man. <laughs> All right, so that's enough silliness. Oh, you want to play a tune? Yeah, tunes are good. Okay, let's play a tune.
Sunbeams are chasing each other through trees Leaves are whispering to the soft breeze I'm just sitting here watching another blade of grass grow well, I'm just sitting here watching another blade of grass grow People all hustling, passing me by Everyone's working, you might ask me why I'm just sitting here watching another blade of grass grow Well, I'm just sitting here watching another blade of grass grow The Asylum Street Spanker sitting there watching. And what would make someone want to sit around and watch a blade of grass grow? Well, there's two reasons. One, you have no legs and you can't move. Okay, so they're in a wheelchair. And the other is uh, the grass growing is actually providing some income for your family. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's no secret that the Spankers are normal members and they do approve of the uh, Mary Jane, as it were. 
Yeah, I don't necessarily uh, condone the usage of Mary Jane, but I don't necessarily think that the the outlawing of Mary Jane is, <laughs> is a necessary thing in this society. Yeah, I don't smoke it. I've eaten it once or twice in a brownie, but, you know, I, I don't smoke it because I don't smoke, but I don't really have a problem with it, you know, a little yeah. controlling it, tax it a little bit, you know. But that was the Spankers. I love those guys. And that officially is the last song on my USB key by the Spankers. So I'll need to buy another couple CDs of theirs to play more of their stuff. Yeah, because Rich has Reefer Madness is what it is. <laughs> that was one of the funniest movies ever. Hey, what are we drinking today anyway? Yeah, the uh, silliness is brought to you today by Wins Kunawara Estate, Kunawara Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, what, what year is that? It's an ought two. It's an ought two. Yeah, and I think it's tasty. Rich said that it tasted like crap, but... Uh, <laughs> well, no, I, I said it was a little bit tart, but John and my... I like tarts. That's right. John and my tastes are a little bit different. I'm a little bit more sensitive to tartness and... Uh, I like bitters and tartnesses. But I like I like bitter, too, just like my women. You know what I'm saying, baby? You know? <laughs> no, bitter is, is uh, what uh, Marv Albert did. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that in the confines of your own home between two consenting adults. As long as it doesn't take off any moving parts. That's right, or involve children or animals. So, saw a film, as I tend to do on Fridays, called Iraq in Fragments. And this was a documentary film, not rated, uh, directed by Mr. James Longley, who, by the way, did the editing and the music as well. It was like he had like 18 credits on the film. It was one of these low-budget documentaries, which I love. I don't want to go off on a tangent here again, but that's one of my pet peeves. What's that? Whenever they have credits and the same person does like 15 different things, instead of just doing the written, directed, edited by one person, you know, doing the efficient thing. They always have that repetitive written by, and then they no, fade. No, no, no. They did edited. written, directed, edited, uh, music by, and they okay. had one name. Right, so, so they, they did the right thing. They John would approve of the way the credits rolled on this okay. film. And you know what? This film, not unlike the last one, is the unfortunate victim of my expectations. I was expecting a little bit different film. I was sort of expecting a more straight-up documentary about what is going on in Iraq, kind of due to the U.S. occupation and all that. And that's really not what they gave us. What they ended up giving us was a documentary in three chapters. Almost, well, two of the three were told entirely by children, and the middle chapter was told by some children and some adults. And it was kind of Iraq as seen... By the first one was kind of exclusively told by a child. The last one was told by children of Kurdish families, and the middle one was—I'm not really sure where the middle one was. But my problem with the film was that the while it was a documentary, it, it had a narration and kind of had a narrative, but it was kind of meandering. You know, it, 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 since it was told from children, I guess I was expecting the film to be very powerful, and I was expecting to walk out of there in tears because I wanted to see the horrors of the U.S. occupation as seen through the eyes of children, and that's not exactly what I got. Was it a worthwhile film? I think definitely it was a worthwhile film. It, it it wasn't what I expected it to be, but that, of course, doesn't make it a bad film. You always expect to be pleased, don't you? Well, things... It's all about you, isn't it? Things rarely meet my expectations, but, you know, I, I do that so much. I hear something about a film, and I expect it to be something, and it's not, and sometimes I'm disappointed. So, but having said that, while this wasn't exactly what I was expecting, it was uh, effective. It was effective. It wasn't as powerful as I wanted it to be, but it was uh, it was effective. Well, and I don't necessarily blame you for that, because if, if you know, the mu the movie-making industry makes movies... 
And then there's the marketing wing of the movie-making industry, which decides, how are we going to sell this thing? And a lot of times, you know, the film on its own, if there were no expectations, would probably be just, you know, wonderful. But but sometimes they put the trailers together that are somewhat deceiving to get people into the theater, or they put some press releases out. And so that sort of builds up your expectations, and it could be damaging sometimes. Well, I'm not entirely sure that's where my expectations came from, because I haven't seen any advertising for this oh, really? film. Well, what, what Munson Williams does, when they show a film, they hand out this little this little piece of paper called film series news and what it does is shows you the upcoming three films and then there's a brief plot summation as you can see well and they the, get those from the studios well and, they might and the distributors yeah and as you can see it's in times times text times i think it's palatino you don't think it's times you think it's palatino i don't know well the yeah so i sort of and, and here's what happens well what what happens often is that you'll see the films that are really far away get a sentence, and as they get closer, they get a paragraph, right? So, you know, my expectations are sort of like, I'll wait until this sentence expands into a paragraph, and then I'll read it and go, oh, that sounds interesting. And But then, uh, like, a month will pass, and then the film will final, finally play, and it's not exactly what I was expecting. But again, very effective film, just not exactly what I was expecting. Definitely something you should see, though, because... Anything we can see about what's going on in Iraq that is outside of the context of what you see on Fox News is probably a benefit to you. Well, on any news, really. Yeah, I think the, the corporate news that we get is all a bunch of BS. So, And the attention span of the uh, the news is, is not necessarily a reflection of the, te- the attention span of the, the general public. Yeah, we get sound yeah, bites. We, we just get the pe- bits and pieces that they can uh, package up to sound nice. Yeah, I think one of the reasons that this film didn't quite meet my expectations as well was because this film was actually filmed just after the war began. You know, those first two or three weeks and then George Bush lands on an airplane and says major combat operations are done well that's when everyone was still pretty much you know hopped up on morphine and that's when they started shooting this film i i think this film would have been drastically different if they filmed this film over the past six months and released it now you know after four years of our occupation of iraq i think the film would have had uh more uh, the 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 feel of what i was expecting it to be you know Mm -hmm. and i didn't actually realize that the film was filmed in the beginning of the war because i never read these things because i want to be surprised i don't read the big review the day the film is released they get a whole basically the review of the film gets the entire front page of the film series news flyer and i don't read those because i want to be surprised so i was not aware that it was basically filmed three years ago well something that they could do or they could have done you know not to be a second guesser here is keep the film as is but then at the end you know maybe revisit those children sure and see what what their lives are like now well maybe he'll make a new film you know that would be mm-hmm. that would be interesting a, a little a, a, a sister piece to this film you know a little sequel mm-hmm but, yeah, definitely check it out. I'd be curious to know what everybody else thought of it. So what is that? A shoe? Is it a shoe? Are we done with the shoe? It is a shoe. Well, it's officially over now. There's no stopping it. It can't be stopped. It's like a runaway train. A tourniquet won't help at this point. <laughs> or as... Uh, well, it could help, but not the show. Or as Elroy on the Jetsons called it, not a tourniquet, but a turkey net. <laughs> is that what... Yeah. Jane, stop this crazy thing! Roro. Oh, that's a wrong dog. Rastro. Anyway, check us out on the web, www.bloodyveg.com. 
Is that what the address is? I haven't been there in a while. Anyways, <laughs> check out the about forum. It. It's bloodyveggie.com slash forum. You can leave us feedback, Chris and Chris, since I know you want to call John out on that whole abortion thing some more. Chris, garlic, Chris. Leave us feedback to feedback at bloodyveg.com. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it! Anyway, remember, you're listening to the VIB. 